This episode is sponsored by Cosmos Ecosystem and Paraswap. Stick around to hear more about them later on this episode. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching Untold Stories, where twice a week we get to together break down the complex world of our wacky and wild industry that we call cryptocurrency. And I feel like every day it's just getting more complex and crazier, but really cooler. And we get to talk to some of the coolest people in the room to try to understand where this uh, uh, whole industry started and where we're going and how we're getting there. And the best part about what I do now is, and, and the difference between all of the years in the past, is we get to talk to people who are actually taking our beautiful technology and bringing it to people who don't even know they're using this technology. We're very, I'm very excited to have today Jamie Thompson. Jamie, you're the lead project designer and CEO of Vulcan Forged. You're widely known amongst the fantasy community for writing over 100 books, including titles from the fantasy fighting series, uh, award-winning Way of the Tiger, Fabled Lands, and more recently, the Ronald Dahl Comedy Prize winner, Dark, Dirk Lloyd. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories. Vulcanverse is crazy. I mean, I was looking at it, and you have it behind you. Uh, over 10,000 players, not just uh, uh, playing uh, a massive multiplayer online role-playing game, but by connecting uh, the blockchain, you've enabled people to, to essentially um, create their own currencies uh, and have that whole adaption uh, right there in the video game itself. So you're like bringing it to the next level of in-game virtual, virtual currencies, but not only that, using VE chain, uh, being able to uh, add like so many of those like socioeconomic tendencies to uh, the crypto world that we need. We need to test crypto in the real world. Thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Charlie. I, I don't know if this is just an audio podcast or video, um, but if it's a video, you, yes, you can see the world um, behind me. And yeah, I think you wrapped it up pretty well there. I mean, Vulcanverse is pretty much a, a metaverse on serious steroids. I mean, we're, we're really sort of getting out of the whole voxel, pixel um, graphics of, of some other sort of blockchain games and moving into the, the MMO gaming um, beastly lore, history, fantasy sort of world that it that it can embrace. Um, a couple of corrections, though. As much as I would love to take credit for the other Jamie Thompson's books, um, there are two Jamie Thompsons working on this. I, I'm the CEO. And oh, then wow. the, Yeah, I know. And he, he is this incredible um, author. And I could have gone, I, I thought I'd be tempted to sort of sit here on his accolades of writing the books, but uh, I'm afraid I can't. He's been on other interviews. In fact, we've had two, two Jamies on at once, which has always been confusing. But uh, I am the CEO of Volkenverse and, and he's the author. But, but yeah, you're right. Having him on board writing all, all these books just just gives us so much. Why don't you guys just combine the person, the persona into one person? <laughs> We do, we, we do. Massively confusing. Up. Just take credit for everything together. We, we, <laughs> that's what we should do. One giant Wikipedia. Um, what? You said, you said something earlier. You said the word metaverse. What, what's a metaverse? Well, metaverse, I guess, is the kind of coin terms for, for lands on blockchain where you can own everything. And um, we, we come from a gaming background. We, you know, we've made a lot of games for mobile and, and for PC. And um, 
So when we learn about blockchain ownership and the NFTs, of course, the ability to own absolutely everything, it was just, you know, a godsend for us. Because um, we had all this law written by the other Jamie, you know, because the idea of Vulcan versus uh, Vulcan is a god of fire and forging. And he, he, he sort of, um, he got sick of the, the puny mortal ways of abandoning the gods and turning to the technology. So he decided to to adapt to the ways of modern technology and, and, and use blockchain to allow them to create this new Olympus. So the idea is he creates these four different quadrants, um, you know, different topologies. You know, you've got the, the deserts, the underworld, the, the happy Arcadia and Boreas. And he gives the, he gives mortals um, these blockchain tools where you can literally terraform the land into any way you want. Um, you know, and, and as you sort of go through your journey of fighting and foraging NFTs and and learning more about the world, your land increases in levels. And the more it increases, the more you can build and the higher you can build and the more sort of smart contracts, more technical functions you can implement into your world. And the strange thing is, the bigger it's becoming, the more uh, what's unpredictable everything is, because what you're, you're kind of creating this world, and okay, it's got its boundaries of you know, law and Vulcanite and history. Uh, it's got it's got a story to it, but still, you're dealing with humans that want to set mm, up. You can't predict these things. <laughs> you can't. There was a, a TV show. There was a TV show where they were like trying to write a computerized version of like heaven, and so when you die, you br- upload your brain into like this, you know, like uh, computerly generated, you know, generated, designed uh, a video game or whatever. And in the first week, because it was real humans that it was written for when you die, you'd get uploaded in there. I think the show was called Upload. The first week, everyone was committing suicide because they forgot to write in the code for pooping and eating. And when you just don't have the need to poop and eat, you kill yourself because what's the point of living? Yeah, yeah. You can't... Social experiment, isn't it? Yeah. And then that, that's exactly what this is. You put 10,000 humans and then you start giving them allegiances to the darkness or the lightness or the mountain people. And so I give them different levels of, of status and, you know, a sort of a, a yearning to be the higher mortal and the more achieving mortal. This this has been going on for for um, a long time in video gaming. But what I want to point out to the listeners here is that that the novelty here and the reason that this is different and next level and and why it's being done on a blockchain is is what we were talking about right there. You can't when you have like a a centralized video you know gaming company or a, a game studio or a, a Activision or whatever you know you have World of Warcraft, you have Call of Duty. But then you have uh, some of these crazy large ones that have been around for a very long time, Second Life. The experiments end up not working out because it's always self-contained inside that same universe. But when you do things on a blockchain that can then be taken out of that universe and you add the ability to have currency, but also like increasing land value and status, but that can then be taken out of the game. You know, it's on, it's publicly transparent and verifiable. And then applications can be built on top of that. It's like we were joking on the way here. It's like people will work in virtual grocery stores. They'll wake up in the morning and they'll go to work and they'll, this is the world that you live in because now this currency or these applications or the functions that you're saying that you're building into the game itself, the writers are building the functions in, can be adapted and connected to everything else that you do. For example, for example, what if you have bad credit in the real world? But what does credit score really tell you? You have the ability to pay back. 
What if in your game, I took out a virtual car loan, but in the game I kept, and it's on the blockchain, I kept coming back actually paying my loan. Could my virtual credit score be adapted for a real world credit card? Stuff like that can now happen because of blockchain technology. Yeah, exactly. You, you're making it. You're making it real. I mean, it's real money, real ownership. You can't take someone's land. You can't take someone's coins. Um, there's no backtracking as you can with centralized games. And I think that's what's giving all these sort of NFTs. So the, la the land can't be taken away. That's so no, important. It's like yeah, it's exactly, and that's the NFT craze you're hearing this year. And I, I think that was probably going to sort of that bubble might burst a little bit in terms of the saturated digital art NFTs because every celebrity left, you know, left, right and center is jumping on the bandwagon. I think the ones in games and, and use cases where, you know, people are laughing about owning virtual lands and NFT, but I generally think that's going to be the future. I mean, you've only got 10,000 plots, your lands, do what you want with it. You know, in 2017 and 2018, a lot of people uh, on crypto Twitter, Barry Silbert, very, very well-known people, for example, were, were publicly posting of land speculation, just land bidding on all of these metaverses, spending tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on virtual pieces of land uh, on these games or these like virtual, I don't like to call them games, virtual worlds. Uh, um, and I was like saying, why would, why would you do that? And now that I understand that, when you create scarcity or the uh, the inability to create infiniteness or the 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 you have finality finality in a, a digital currency a digital mm -hmm. function now you have a digital world you can mm -hmm. have all the finality built on top of a blockchain a simple example uh, I'm standing right here. I'm living in the world, right? I'm moving around largely at my own, I make my own decisions. I mean, you can say that whatever, you know, God exists or whatever. As soon as you enter the virtual world, every move you make, every decision you make, every move you, you know, everything you do is predetermined. It's predestined. You can, it's pre-programmed. But what you're, what we go back to what we were talking about early in the show now that everything has been done on, on top of using blockchain technology and there's a whole socioeconomic aspect to it and there's incentivizing greed and there's transaction finality, bringing it all together, I can see now why someone would want to own land in these virtual worlds. Yeah, uh, I, I, exactly. And there's still, even amongst my own family and friends, there's still this sort of misunderstanding. Why would virtual land be expensive why and i think that's just a core misunderstanding of what blockchain technology is and i still think we're very very early on in mainstream sort of knowledge of understanding the finality of blockchain the the, the inability to take someone's assets and, and and things being physical and i think once that understanding comes into play and that's why i'm glad about this nft craze happening this year because i think people are understanding ownership of digital assets more. I think that's when we'll see a, a soar in metaverses, in virtual worlds online, that, you know, okay, I can own this digital art NFT. No one can take it. I understand that. So now you're saying I own this piece of land in this world and it's only mine, understand it. Now we're adding to that. Not only do you own that land, but you can garden it. You can build a, a, a house. You can, you can have your creatures foraging on it. You can 
You can level it up for real currency in order to sort of give yourself access to castles and dragons and all this all this stuff. And add on top of that, as you say, the socio-economical uh, petri dish of, of you know humans running around. Sort of, it's it, it's fascinating to us. I mean, it's exciting watching it pan out. How do you like? How do you function in a love story? I mean, how do you function in what happens? You know, if I have a castle and you have a castle and, you know, like, you know, like Helen of Troy or whatever, uh, uh, what happens? To, how do you write? What if someone comes and steals, you know, try to steals from you? How do you write that function in? How do you write policing in and, and, and you know, the lords and, and how, yeah. how does that get? Because really, they're all just experiments of society. These are just. But what happens when society actually moves into okay so like these virtual worlds largely up until now have been extensions of our societies that we live in today we take the relationships that we have we take the money that we have we take the people that we know and then we go and we add our friends that we have here and we say come let's play on a in a clan let's virtual world who do you know yeah over time you do see people like comfortable with making new relationships on the internet that's happened in the last 10 years in fact I've had business partners that I never actually met in real life. They were all over uh, IRC networks and things like that. Uh, but I was—I feel like a lot of people in the crypto world were pioneers in that. So even moving into the Zoom world that, for COVID, we were already used to that that industry. But how do you like? How do you kind of like deal with with when you have society being created inside of the virtual worlds? And then what is like in-game currency? What's the function of in-game currency when it comes to like how people act and react with each other on everyday life in the virtual world? Are you seeing any of that now or are we still like very early on? Well, it's, that's a very interesting. I mean, the, the two things which stand out immediately from creating the metaverse and which are obviously prevalent in our society, in the world, are one is hierarchies and the second are allegiances, rivalries and tribalism. They're the first two things that have probably come out, even in alpha stages. You know, you've got the gardens and the light and you've got the underworld. And it was a bit of joking around at first. In the, but then you realize, you know, they're getting their own channels a little bit and they've got their own favorite vulcanite, which are our animals. And then you realize there are some people that want to have more of a say over different things. And, and uh, we have a philosopher's council where, you know, these, these are people that sort of are investing a bit more in the project and so they have more of a say, so folks go through them. So it's like Lord, you know, Lord of the Flies, you know, where they put a load of kids on the island and um, with Piggy, I remember that a long time ago. It's happening and it's virtual. I mean, just like a Facebook conversation with, with your spouse or a friend is real, um, sure. dynamics within a virtual world is hell. So it's kind of like high school all over again. With with dragons and beasts and minotaurs and lore and history, but but isn't the world anyway high school all over yeah, again? It is. Okay, we're moderated a bit more, but it is. But the difference between high school and the real world, right? You know, is that when you're in that box, you know, eventually you're just kind of like when you make mistakes or whatever happens, like you're in the boundaries of the box. Like the worst case, you get expelled or suspended, but you're within in the real world. You go to prison, like those are the boundaries of the box. So like, or like the, it's a bigger real world. So what I'm trying to, 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 to get at is, uh, one of the big aspects of crypto is people talk about governance 
And a lot of people have a lot of strong controversial opinions of, of what governance should look like on a blockchain. Mm. You have software purists, and I kind of fall into a lot of this category, that really believe that blockchain governance should be no governance. It should be purely free market, and it should be the code should be written and deployed, and the people that use it are the ones that determine the function of its governance uh, based on, on checks and balances, kind of how Bitcoin is, is run. But then you have like uh, a lot of other blockchains, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. They all serve different functions. You have a lot, and I know you guys chose VE chain too. A lot of no, other. No, no, no. We were on Polygon. Sorry, I just okay. Polygon. Oh, even yeah. better. So mm -hmm. I, and that's another question too. That well, we'll talk about that in a second. But with um, all these different blockchain functions that offer like governance, how do you function in like okay? voting for a king uh, not that people would vote for a king but like what if there was like some quasi democracy built into the virtual world how do you like function in governance into the blockchain into there because in the virtual worlds of before when you had the centralized gaming studio it was all pre-written so like the voting mechanism was pre-written it was all you couldn't you, there was no lobbying in the real world. Like it was all, you know, the member met the boundaries of that box. But now in the real world, there's like, you'll see actual governance. You'll see voting. You'll see people uh, uh, taking this to the, to the hyper next level. So now you have like governance on a blockchain, currency on a blockchain, real world people on a blockchain. Uh, I was going to ask you, what's the most challenging thing about this project? But I think I answered it on my own. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're right. But I mean... It would be challenging if I said to myself or we said we have to make this decentralized as, as much as possible. But the minute we've put a name on the world and with the minute we've given four quadrants and a certain amount of Vulcanites and certain tools and assets, you know, with a game, you never it can't be fully decentralized unless you gave every user access to make any pixel they could possibly make and do anything they could possibly do in the world. You're going to have an element of centralization. And originally, we were just going to go the other Decentraland and Sandbox route or whatever, where you can just build whatever you like and put it out there and just walk about. And when someone, the author, suggested, why don't you go with this story, this backstory and this lore and these line and um, these worlds, I was very res resistant to it because it wasn't very decentralized blockchain maxi and all that sure. idea. but. But it's worked. It's worked. I mean, it, it, the community have accepted that this is the story behind it. You're given these tools. We're taking the blockchain in terms of ownership and using the idea of owning and leveling and currency and all these wonderful things blockchain has. But we are incorporating with this centralized environment and backstory and level. So we, we escape that question, you know, quite easily because we're not aiming for a totally decentralized, you know, game world. If you have not already started exploring the land of Cosmos and their whole ecosystem, make sure you start checking them out now. There are so many projects and blockchains that are launching in the Cosmos ecosystem using the Tendermint SDK, including actually our sponsor, Kava Labs, are in there using their decentralized protocols. And one of my favorite things about Cosmos is the fact that all blockchains that launch in their ecosystem come with this inter-blockchain interoperability, IBC that really allows all companies and products and individual blockchains within Cosmos 
to not only work together, but all out of the box, interact with each other. You really need this from the start, because imagine if from the start, all blockchains can talk and work with each other in a decentralized way. Well, that's what Cosmos is doing from the get go. Make sure you listen to uh, an awesome episode I did on here on Untold Stories with the Tendermint CEO, Peng Chong. It was really, really awesome. And I learned a lot about not only crypto and blockchains, but just life in general. Make sure you check them out at untoldstories.link forward slash cosmos. That's untoldstories.link forward slash cosmos. The biggest problem with DeFi today as we know it is there are simply no aggregators or way to bring all of this information and data together so we can trade off of it. If we're going to Uniswap and we're clicking sell, 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 or buy, buy, buy. I mean, imagine staying up till two o'clock in the morning just so you can make a trade. The folks at Paraswap, my newest sponsor, are doing exactly that. They are the fastest and most liquid aggregator on the Ethereum blockchain. They've built a state-of-the-art algorithm that aggregates all the major decentralized exchanges in order to beat the market price. They are willing to offer you on your first swap a 50% gas refund. Check it out in the show notes. I mean, there's no reason not to use PowerSwap. It's the same thing as using any of these other sites, but you're getting a better price, zero slippage, better swap, safer, faster, more secure. Uh, what's what's the downside? There is none that I could think of. And you're getting your first swap, 50% gas fees paid for. It solves every problem that I could think of. Make sure you check them out. They're my sponsors. I love them. And I love them even more that they're pushing crypto forward. I think the point of 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 what we're trying to do is to, you know, when you uh, test the cure for a, uh, when, you, when you're a scientist and you want to test something, you want to hypothesize, you test the cure of something, you have like hundreds of vials and you're like dropping different ingredients in them and you're just testing everything. You're trying. In order to know what will end up working in the society that we live in, why not take fictional literary worlds, spin them up where people can actually live in them mm. and have next level socioeconomic functions, like real life functions in the world and see how humans act and react with each other. Yeah. Maybe we'll learn something about mankind that way. Yeah, what happens? It, what would happen if you gave mankind uh, spells and ability to summon creatures or or build castles? And, and, and that's basically what it is. Because this is the closest you'll get to real life ownership of world with the magic and spells and such likes. And you will have things. I said these these hierarchies and this need to sort of gather these scroll fragments or become that avatar or find those robes and. And um, yeah, it's probably the closest we'll get to sort of a, a supernatural Earth. And, and I think this will be the standard going forward for all, all games, I would have thought, that are multiplayer anyway. Um, real ownership, real money, real economy, real sort of socioeconomic problems within a blockchain world. So um, obviously I'm a bit biased, but I do yeah. think we're, we're one of the first to, to really push those boundaries. I think you're one of the first to really look at the literary industry and the virtual world industry and kind of merge it all together in the video game industry. Um, do you talk to people who are in the film industry? Do you talk to people who are in um, um, sound, who are in, uh, uh, you know, like you have graphic novels, comic books, uh, even like I know you, we kind of like look at everyone is doing NFT on Picassos and stuff like that nowadays. And that's like the 
the lowest hanging fruit, but what do you think chapter two of NFT world will look like? So you, you look at the good comparison is of tokens of 2017 are like what NFTs are now. And mm. what we look at as tokens now, and we look at them as a very important aspect of this industry, how tokens and governance, and it's not a dirty thing at all. It's, it's very important. Um, how do you think, what does that NFT world look like three years from now, two years from now? I think it's a loaded question. No, no. I think unfortunately NFTs are probably going to go through that same um, downward sort of um, uh, what's the word? Uh, a, a sort of sticky, sort of scammy, overly done, done sort of taste to them. That 2017, you know, that it was all the rage, and then a lot of people came in and, and it got diluted, and it was very hard to sort of distinguish. Humility what, training. Sorry. Humility training. I call it humility training. Humility training, yeah. I mean, and everyone's aunt and grandma thought they found a winning coin. And unfortunately, that stained the reputation of blockchain and crypto and its technology. And I think the same will happen this year with NFTs. I think too many people will come in. There'll be too many weird rug pulls, too many like, what's the point? And I think people will be sick of the word NFT um, within, you know, a year. However, in doing so, that will probably, you know, cleanse the space again. And it will bring more, more use cases. Obviously, I'm going to say gaming and virtual land because that's my company. Um, but I think more business NFTs and more use cases because ownership of things on the blockchain is basically what blockchain is. You are owning a Bitcoin. It's yours. No one can take it. And once you start putting more visual and tangible gaming enterprise assets into that sort of token form, of course, they're going to have use cases which are forever sustainable. So in short, I think we're going to see a dip in sentiment and then only the strongest will survive. That's awesome, I love by it. the way. We're one of the strongest. <laughs> so the, well, actually, the, the, the companies... And the businesses that survived that bear market were the agnostic ones or the ones that actually built uh, products and services that had real world users to carry it through. And, and you have that. You're not building uh, products or functions for, for tomorrow. You're building them for the needs of the users today. Like you said, like the players had to kind of suck it up and, and accept this is the, this is the story now. Uh, <laughs> Do you think that virtual worlds are kind of doing that guerrilla marketing work for crypto now? You guys are the ones that are training new people in that world of crypto. So I think a lot of your players like are probably the first time they're ever interacting with a crypto. Anything is sometimes for the first time in, in, in you know, in, in these virtual worlds and in, in Vulcanverse and in anything. They are, they are, and a lot of our community are gamers, and of course, you know, a lot of these people, I know, again, family members that didn't even know how to set up a wallet are now coming into blockchain, and they slowly understand about the NFTs and ownership, but there's a trade-off, you know, you've still got, you know, there's a trade-off in the wallets are a pain in the ass to set up, blockchain is a pain in the ass to understand, you know, these things are, 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 aren't avoidable, and sometimes you've got to make sacrifices, um, you know, to, to kind of help bring people in. I mean, we actually, we partnered with Arcane. We have a, a white label Arcane wallet, which is um, a sort of semi-decentralized, semi-centralized wallet solution. But without that, we wouldn't have got as much interest as if we would have, if we told everyone to set up a MetaMask. But yeah, I, I think gaming will certainly bring in a lot more people into blockchain. I mean, art's doing it this year with the NFTs. 
You know, I want to take a second and um, ask you, well, I'm going to actually going to take a pause for a minute, but, I, and, and ask, and after that, I want to talk to you about um, blockchain ecosystems, because if you look at blockchain ecosystems now, um, and, and, you know, how we even thought you were on VE chain and you're a polygon and, and there's so many different ecosystems like Cosmos and Casper and, and, and there are consultants and advisory services that help products and services and companies figure out which blockchain ecosystem they, they should join. There's a whole thing, but I want to take a second and thank some people. So if you see, I'm not in, for those who are watching or those who are listening, they don't, they, they don't see, I'm actually not in the untold story studio. I'm not coming from sunny Sarasota, Florida. We've brought this show from you, uh, from Miami to, and, and sunny Sarasota to Amsterdam. And now we're coming to you over the next few weeks. We'll be in, in Rochester, New York. I want to thank um, uh, my friend Fitz from the uh, Rock Vox Recording Studio for having us here over the next month. And I want to thank, of course, the my producers at the Blockworks Group, because without them, the show wouldn't be here today, um, helping me do so much. And there's so many millions of other people that I thank uh, for making the show happen. And I'm really excited to have everyone in the studio today. I got my mother-in-law, my wife, the director and, and, and producer of a, of a film oh, project really? that we're all doing that I, I can't talk that? about it. Yes, it's very big. It's exciting. We're up here. We're shooting location. It's crazy. Everyone's here. Uh, and and so, but like going back to the, before we talk about the blockchain thing, um, you know, these guys are on the film industry. And a lot of people are always asking me in the film industry in Hollywood, what can they do with NFTs? Uh, especially ones who are adapting like screenplays and books into like uh, films, you know, but they want to have their, you can have, new media you can have virtual worlds as part of that and you watch the film you prove your and you prove that you've watched the film you get an nft you can join the world is that something that you think people would be doing i mean like how would you yeah, approach that i mean i think they'll explore it I, th I think every single nook and cranny that you could possibly explore over the next year will be explored um by some companies and i'm sure we'll see some incredibly creative ways you know as you say marking the first person to see it gets an NFT, tokenize the first time you downloaded a film. And, and a lot of them, you know, there'll be, there'll be a lot of money to be made. There'll be a lot of a lot of random celebrities dipping their toes in. Um, I think for copyright, I think blockchain is still completely undervalued. I think it's it's a wonderful way to sort of stamp your your creations at an early start, whether it's a patent for an invention or, or, or copywriting or screenwriting. I think that's very undervalued and underused still. Um, but yeah, I used to be in the movies. I was I was a screenwriter before, different than the other writer. But um, I, I I I used to be in the movies. Before. Oh, both Jamie little... Thompson's right. That's correct. I know. Okay. I know. Yeah, it gets even more complicated. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, but yeah. So there was a lot of copyright going around, but. Who knows? I, I think a lot of good stuff will come out of it um, because, you know, when people get new technology, they'll try, you know, the dot-com bubble. They'll try absolutely everything and, and mm. we'll get some real some real gems will come out of it. But for us, we're just going to stick with what we know. We're just going to make games and, and, and push forward our just having fun, you know? I mean, we, we've got a token out and all that stuff, but it, it's, we're not into all that kind of, you know, crypto, pumpy, dumpy rubbish and it's funny you said about people and people advising, advising this. It's like a once we got a token sort of launched and it's on exchanges mm. and all that, it opened up this whole barrel of um, 
we'll market your marketing team who will market this and this mm-hmm. advice will advise that. And oh, yeah. I just, it came out of nowhere. You know? That and world like, is deep. Huh? Yeah. No, that world is deep. That like, um, and and then you come on the show and you talk about it. a lot of people don't know. It's like the whole, the industry, people who who work at whatever layer of crypto, whatever facet, whatever like wherever they are in the world, like we must have brought millions of jobs to people. Like the I want I would love to know the size of the industry. I'd love to know how many people make more than like. 70% of their yearly income working full-time in, in whatever it is, cryptocurrency, even is like, like token marketing services or things like that, you know, somewhere out of like, like, I think they, you know, like anywhere, like it's crazy. Yeah. And, and you can't track it either because it's not like, you know, your usual sort of taxable income, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you've got telegram channel sticker makers and you've got people that will make a graphic for a medium article, you know? <laughs> so what's interesting in that, you know, it's funny that you bring that up. And, and I, I always like to go back and remind people like why it's so important that cryptocurrency exists. Just like what you said, the fact that you can have an industry where fl- where as soon as you launch your company, your project, you have a flood of thousands of people who want to work for your business and do some service or product or design or something. And then how you pay them and then how they're incentivized is all done instantly, transparently. The accounting is done for you where they, you don't have to worry about trust between both parties. It's all done. It's like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Working in like, you know, like producing a film and working in, in, in vacation rental businesses and hard money lending and all the business industries that I learned, I spend 50% of the time dealing with the crap that Red crypto type. solves. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think, thank you, Satoshi, every day. For bringing yeah. it. you're right. I mean, you you look at a Hollywood movie, you know, a few million dollars budget and amounts of red tape and budgeting and and staff and handling and bureaucracy oh, you yeah. go through. And you know, one tiny token project would probably hire three times more people. You know, make people from all over the world, not just you know developed countries, but some people that are earning you know a thousand dollar a year is enough to really provide for their family just for giving a few stickers out on Telegram. And as you say, instantly. And um, then there's another virtual world where some farmers are literally their, their livelihood is finding NFTs and selling them. You know, it's um it's global. And you're right, I, I didn't I didn't think about that. How you every time you get a project on crypto. You're probably, it's the equivalent of opening up, you know, a, a New York uh, skyscraper enterprise and hiring exactly. a thousand people. Waiting in line to work for you. That's beautiful. It, <laughs> and that, what you just described, the fact that I can like work here and, and, and work full-time podcasting about crypto, like the fact that we all work in this industry is what, the reason I get up every day, one of the reasons I get up every day, it, it's, it, it's such a beautiful thing. But let me ask you a question. The line between virtual world and real world was always finite. Like it was fine, not finite. It was a fine line. Like you know where that line was. Where is that line now? Because it seems to me what we just described, the telegram crypto industry, it seems like that's more virtual world than real. Because how do you know if some of those people are actual physical people? How do you know yeah. some of those Telegram people that work for you are not AI robots that are so well-developed? 
Where is the line? It's scary. I could be an AI robot right now. You don't know. Logged into Zoom. Uh, well, you were very well designed one, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> I was designed right. by Vulcanverse. No, but I've been looking. What were you going to say? I was going to say, well, I mean, there's a difference between virtual and, and digital. I mean, I guess, I guess anything you do digitally is going, it, it, it is virtual. And then you're talking about impersonators, which you can't avoid, even in the real, real world and real businesses. But what, um, what you, what we said earlier about uh, this being more organic and, and it just seems more real that you're dealing with person to person. And I've never really, until this interview, actually, really embraced how idealistic or utopian this is that we are in a way coming back to this sort of p2p person-to-person exchanges without these centralized entities i mean i've never been one to believe oh you know every company in the world is bad and but there is an element of uh, uh, you invisibility if you can't see who you're operating with you go through a, a company an exchange a bank and blah blah here it's literally i want this sticker made here's uh, half a bitcoin here's that done 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 and it's back to the you know the old days you know the, the medieval days of bartering with um with goats well that's that's what it is and speaking of goats like i've been reading the 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 saxon tales there the um bernard it's not cornwell cromwell i always forget the whole the last kingdom all, all those books i'm blanking right now but utred I'm reading all of the uh, virtual world books, and I read a lot of the Ken Follett books, the trilogy, or for the four books now, the the Millennium trilogy, also. But in those virtual worlds, uh, where you have, they take place in the year 800, 900, 1000 in, in in England, where you had multiple kingdoms, like you talk about. I look, you look at four quadrants there. I'm I'm thinking of the four kingdoms of that ended up making up England. You know, you had Wessex and Mercia and everything like that. I would love to see. And then you read in those books what like old world banks would look like. So for example, if you lived in a town or a village and you wanted to like have a business to go out into another village, you'd have to go to like the local lord of your of your town or and and borrow from them and there was like a system to do it and then you know simply how Columbus would borrow money from from the queen of was Portugal I think it was of Spain, Isabella of Spain or whatever to come to America. How that was all done I want to experiment those worlds with real money. Yeah. And that, that's so I exactly want to code those virtual worlds. And that's what blockchain worlds are. I mean, there is no central bank. It's that, you know, you walk, you go from the um, Hades, you go to Notice, you meet someone on a road to Vulcan City. You say, hey, do you want to exchange my sword? Do you want to exchange my sword for your, for your wolf? Yes, I do. Here you are. Done. Now I've got the wolf. Now I feel a bit more of an Arcadian. I've got a, I've got a grudge with the underworld a bit. I had a bad experience with a chat with someone and it just grows, you know, and it, and it grows from there. We didn't even talk about the type of data that can be gathered from from interactions like that and how the AI could then build on top of the data that's that's happening in the real world. Because if that happened in real in in life now, there's there's no like track of, there's no like tracking for that. Like if you meet someone on a park bench or whatever, but yeah. if that happens in the real world, like there's some function of the code that's tracking stuff like that, not in the in the negative sense of the word, but potentially to like build on top of that. 
And so I think that's actually a, a really cool function of how these virtual worlds will work. It, it, exactly. And, and that's what we do. I mean, we're very much a play to earn system where the more you explore, the more um, you get this lava thing on, and it's recorded on blockchain. So you can follow your journey. We've got this big history of transactions of what you've done in your life in Vulcanverse. You know, you played this game here, you bought this asset there, you went there. And you could, of course, find patterns. And there's no denying it because it's on blockchain. And then you did lose to that person in that card game in the tavern in Boreas. You know, you, you did steal a goat or whatever. What does the future of the Vulcan look like? Um, we're going to conquer World of Warcraft by December. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, of course, you know, it's successful. We've been sold out and people are excited. Virtual worlds will have market caps now because all the in-game currencies. Could virtual worlds have hostile takeovers of other virtual worlds? Like buy I up mean, all their in-game currency and then like take it over? Like you could see crazy, you could see like war. You could. You with could. real I mean, money. They're NFTs. I mean- we, Yeah, it's we, scary. We, we, we I don't want to talk about this anymore. No. <laughs> How's the weather in New York at the moment? It, it can't it's, be it's, it's cold. No, it's- it's really cold. I have a sweater here. It's it's spring is coming, but it's beautiful. Where where are you? Where are we talking from, anyways? I, I'm I'm in Greece. I mean, uh, my wife's Greek, and uh, our team in house. We got about ten of us here in an office in Greece. Um, oh, beautiful. And so the mythology obviously just comes out of the walls here. But it's at, it's 36 degrees here today, and it's only May, and we've got no air conditioning, and the staff are, are going mutiny on me. I can tell. That's Won't probably that's like 90 much. degrees Fahrenheit or something like that. I forget. Hey Siri, I don't know. It's but it's it's hot. I think like thirty four is eighty something or something like that. But it um, it's beautiful, and I and I hope with the end of this whole pandemic, we can meet in person. Will you be planning to be at a uh, Bitcoin Miami? Um, I haven't thought about it. I don't know what date it is. I mean, I'll have a look into it. I'll come along. June third through sixth, the whole crypto world is converging on Bitcoin Miami, and there are no discount codes anywhere. But we'll be there. Everyone will be there, and. Listeners and yourself, if you use the discount code UNTOLD, you get 15% off, I think, you everything. Yeah. Untold. That you was actually it. supposed to be just for like friends and family and my listeners, but whatever. Everyone will so give it out. Now you've got thousands of people who are going to be typing it in quickly. Is it no, it'll be fun. It's, it's, it sells out, like there's like different tiers, but then there's like a lot of outdoor stuff going on. And even if you don't go to the conferences, being, it'll be nice to have everyone physically together again, that we can work. Um, and and remember and and celebrate and and embrace like what Bitcoin gave us for the future of this whole like blockchain world, um, and like like you said like um, you know you came on the show you didn't think about certain things uh, in certain ways new perspectives I hope I gave you new perspective I hope I didn't scare the listeners and gave them some new perspectives I want to thank you for taking the time on and coming on Untold Stories Jamie Thompson you're the lead project designer of Vulcan Forged. You're not the author, but you've written a screenplay, and so you do write, and this was such a brilliant conversation. Thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories. I had a really good time. Thank you for having me, Charlie. Have a great day. You too.